Hello, Cardinals fans. What's going on? My name is Brendan Schaefer, joining you for another edition of B Shafe Daily. The date is Friday, March 6th, and it's a Cardinals off day at spring training down in Jupiter, Florida. And so, won't be any news to share from anything that happens at Cardinals camp today because there is no Cardinals camp today. Cardinals manager Mike Schilt is getting married Friday afternoon or evening and saw where the players are not invited to the ceremony because Mike Schilt doesn't want them to feel obligated on, you know, really one of the rare off days that they're going to have for a while. Doesn't want them to feel obligated to have to come to another event, come to something that is considered mandatory. So he said as the gift to the players, he would not be inviting them to the wedding. So no news for the Cardinals on Friday, and I felt like that would make it a pretty good opportunity perhaps to kind of take a step back and reassess, take another look at what the potential opening day roster could look like. We did this a few weeks ago. I said we continue to do it periodically, and this is really a time that I think is beneficial to do it again because it's kind of the halfway point of spring training, essentially, with the first real full day off and you turn the corner after this Friday off and potentially you start to ramp up and, and see kind of what the lineups could look like a little bit more and, and what the rotation could look like a little bit more. You know, so far we've had starters piggybacking and one guy would start the game, the next guy would come in and throw multiple innings in relief, kind of an unfamiliar role for a guy who's normally a starter. And so that's been, you know, the the way spring training has gone so far because you just have so many pitchers and so many players to get innings and at-bats for that it's just kind of the way you have to do things. But now, as we careen toward the start of the regular season, the Cardinals are going to have to start making some decisions about certain guys and which guys are actually going to to, to play those parts and, and be in those roles when we get the actual season started. So as that grows a little bit closer, it's going to be reflected by the lineups and by the pitchers that are used and, and by the guys that are still in camp. You know, you're, you're probably going to see maybe as soon as this weekend, some cuts from Cardinals camp as then the minor league camp is getting ready to start up. And so a lot of the younger guys will then transition into that camp and and won't be a part of the big league games anymore for the most part. So these are the things that you're going to start to see coming up. And so I thought this would be a good time to kind of take a step back, look at the roster, and then really talk about, you know, there's a lot of spots that we can figure are probably, you know, take for granted, you know, they're going to be there. So we'll run through those guys and then we'll kind of debate the the remaining spots, the spots that actually are kind of interesting, that are kind of up for grabs, and talk about you know what it would take for different guys to potentially get into those spots. And over the last few weeks since we've done this exercise last time, we've learned some things. We've had had some new injuries, so we can kind of speculate and guess as to which guys will will still be healthy or, or, or what could take place with some of those spots. Information that we didn't have last time around. So first, I'm going to run through what I, I think could be an example of an opening day lineup. And then I'll give you the bench, the rotation, and the bullpen. And it's you know we'll, we'll kind of go from there. And, and there's a handful of names that I think could be in play that, as of right now, you don't see exactly where they're going to fit. But that doesn't decrease, in my mind, the likelihood or the potential for them to be in a spot. It's just we're not quite sure yet which spot. And, and more injuries could happen. And, and guys who right now are injured could then turn things around and look sharp. And, and so that can change things as well. But let's run through, first of all, the lineup. Right now, I've got Colton Wong setting atop the Cardinals lineup on opening day. He's been, he was, well, first of all, take it back to 2019. He was tremendous a year ago. He led the Cardinals in on-base percentage. I think he was around 360. 
And, you know, this spring has followed it up by more doing more of the same. He's got an OBP of 429 in his opportunities, uh, 18 at-bats, a couple of walks, so about 20 plate appearances, a 429 OBP, a batting average of 333, and the slug only 389 right now. And so you'd like to see him slugging at least 400, but more likely around 450 would be preferable because you figure 350 to 360 on base, a 450 slug, even 440, that gets you pushing 800. I think he was around 775 or 780 for an OPS last year. So that, I think, could could fit with what the Cardinals are, are needing and looking for in a leadoff man. And under Mike Matheny, he really didn't get those opportunities as often as maybe he should have, considering the speed and the profile of his game, uh, a contact-oriented player. Wong was always buried at the bottom of the lineups oftentimes, and it wasn't until it seems like times last year he finally got a little bit of run toward the top. I, he'd be in my top two for sure, and as of right now, I've got no reason not to put him in the number one spot. Um, if I if it were me as of right now, just you know, kind of blending what I think should happen with what I think the Cardinals will do, so it's a little bit of a variation. It's not strictly the lineup I would put together. But I think Tommy Edmond would make sense batting second in that opening day lineup. More than likely, though, if I'm really going to kind of get into the mind of the Cardinals, it could be Carpenter or Fowler up in that spot, in that two spot. Um, to me, it would be a bad look if Fowler continues to have a bad spring training and then they put him up in that on-base percentage spot in the lineup uh, based on you know him being a veteran. It wouldn't surprise me if they would do that, but I think it's going to take a little bit more from him than we've seen so far. He's still hitting 095 for the spring with just two base hits. He picked up another one recently, but it's just not going to not gonna cut it, those numbers in the regular season. But he, as I've said on the show, he's going to get time. He's going to get the opportunity to prove himself. It's just going to be a matter of how much time because if he's playing like this in the regular season, which I'm not saying he's going to, but right now all we have are the numbers that we have. If he's doing that in a regular season, I, how can you go more than a couple of weeks before you're like, okay, we got to try something different? Because if the Cardinals are around, a, you know, you think they could be around a 90-win team, and I'm going to do the polls as I've done each of the last two seasons where I start low and work my way up. On Twitter, I say over, under, blank, and a half wins. I'll start maybe around 80 and a half this year since, uh, what was it? Pakoda had the Cardinals pegged for 82 wins when that came out first on. So I'll start a little bit below the Pakoda. I would I prefer to have the Pakoda be closer to a, a middle middle ground than I think it's going to be. But I just think they're too low on the Cardinals, and so I'm not going to be you know wasting my time and your time by saying over or under 77 and a half wins for the Cardinals because I don't know too too many people that would have the Cardinals below 77 and a half wins. So probably started around 500 and work our way up from there. But if you talk about being a 90-win team or so, and the Reds are better, the Brewers are still going to be competitive in my mind, and the Cubs have a pretty loaded roster still with a new manager and perhaps a little bit of new life injected into that clubhouse. 90 wins, you know, that may or may not be enough to win the division, but if you win 90 and the Reds win 92, and you remember, you know, or the Cubs, or the you know, whoever it could be, but you lose the division by a game or two, and you remember that for the first six weeks of the season, you had, I don't even need to use Dexter Fowler as the example. You could do it with Carpenter. You could do it with Bader. You could do it with, you know, whomever might start slow. And you had player X, Y, or Z as a, as a you know, a fixture in the lineup for six weeks, and they're hitting 150. 
and you you you, you don't think you could make up a game or two based on having a more productive player in there. So I, I just don't think the Cardinals can afford to be too stagnant with the lineup with whomever might underperform. Right now, Fowler is an obvious choice because he's underperformed so far this spring. Carpenter's actually done done fine, um, and I think he's going to have a fine year. Uh, Carpenter's numbers for you real quick. 273 batting average, you take that. 333 on base, you'd probably like his on base to be a little bit higher. But the 545 slugging percentage for Matt Carpenter, you would take for sure. But again, he's 3 for 11. So this isn't like you've got a lot of a large sample. They've taken it slow with Carpenter. He had the back thing, so he's not playing regularly. And and so, you know, time will tell as far as he goes. But that's just an example of, you know, it, there are going to be guys, we're going to talk about them in a minute, that I think could push for this lineup. And so if you've got guys underperforming, Fowler might be in that opening day lineup. I'd be shocked if he weren't at this point unless an injury happens. But can you really afford to put him in a prime spot in the lineup if he doesn't show you a little more something down the stretch of spring training. I say no, and so that's why I've got Edmund third. Or pardon me, Edmund number two. Goldschmidt three, DeYoung four. Uh, DeYoung's going to be a fine cleanup hitter, guys. I, if, if you're talking fantasy baseball sleepers, I'm not a guy that typically, even back before I was covering the Cardinals and I was just a Cardinals fan, I never wanted to, to have a lot of Cardinals in fantasy baseball because I always felt like, you know, if I'm, I'm looking for a team to win and I want my own team to win, I felt like it was like bad vibes. I get one of the Cardinal stars. They probably get hurt. My fantasy team suffers, and so does the actual team. And so now I'm a media member. I'm a writer. I look at it a little bit differently. And, and so, you know, I still would like the Cardinals to do well. It's it's good for business, as they say. But Paul DeYoung, I think, is a guy that I'd be scooping up in fantasy drafts because I just have a feeling based on last year, he had home runs, but he just was average in, in most other categories. He was a, He's a guy that I think is due for a big season with – the way he's prepared this offseason, the way he looks so far in the spring. He's hitting 518 at-bats. Uh, he hasn't taken any walks, just one walk it looks like. Uh, they've got the OBP listed at 500 as well, so there might have been like a sacrifice or something that doesn't show up as an at-bat but counts against you for on-base because his on-base is 500 as well. The slug is 1222 for an OPS of 1722. He's got four home runs already this spring. I think it's going to be a massive year for Paul DeYoung. All-star campaign. And he'll get MVP votes, I think, when it's all said and done. If he plays the kind of defense that he uh, played last year, you know, was a Gold Glove finalist. I think the Cardinals' cleanup conversation could be solved by a rejuvenated, renewed, and reinvigorated Paul DeYoung batting cleanup for the Cardinals. Matt Carpenter, right now, I've got fifth. I don't think you need to put him in one of those top two spots in the lineup. Uh, he, you know, let him be the kind of hitter that he's going to be. Don't let the batting order dictate the kind of hitter he needs to be. He's talked about being a doubles guy, hitting to all fields, you know, not selling out for power. Let's just, I, I know that that's kind of counterintuitive to say, put him in the five spot where he thinks he's got to drive in runs. But for me, it's just about batting him a little bit lower. Like you could, you could argue to bat him sixth, but I just don't think, you, you know, the, the names at the bottom of this lineup, Molina, Fowler, Bader, none of those, I don't think any of those guys are better hitters than Matt Carpenter. So it's not about... Oh, yeah, the five spot's perfect for him because he'll drive in runs. That could happen, but for me, it's just about, I think the guys behind him just aren't as good of hitters, and so I'm I'm looking for, that's where I'm putting Carpenter. Uh, yeah, Molina, the catcher, batting sixth. Fowler, right now I have number seven. Like I said, wouldn't, sh- wouldn't shock me if he were in the two spot, and then you shift Edmund down to seven. 
Um, but I, I, for, I would love to see the speed of Wong and Edmund atop the Cardinals lineup, see them be able to work counts, get on base, and make some stuff happen for the guys in the middle, Goldschmidt and DeYoung, to drive them in. I think that would be a positive. And then Bader, he's going to be in that lineup, and right now I've got him batting eighth. And so then we talk about the bench, what that could look like. Uh, the outfield competition, you know, Dylan Carlson at the center of it all, but in reality, you look at some of the other names that have been involved in this so far in the spring, and these other guys aren't necessarily doing anything to – you know, to deserve being lapped by by anybody. So Tyler O'Neill, 300, 440, 650. That's his uh, batting line with an OPS of 1090. He's got a couple home runs in 20 at-bats. Tyler O'Neill's looked really good. The raw power that we've seen from him has been there. The strikeout percentage is way too high. You're, you're going to get that with him. He's around 40% if you're counting uh, strikeouts to at-bats. And so I guess with uh, – he's got a few walks, which is a positive, so – I guess that puts him around 33% of his plate appearances have ended in strikeouts for walks. So you'll take the strikeouts if the walks and the power come, but you you you'd probably like to see a little bit of a lower rate than what he's had so far. But you know we'll we'll see how he develops. I, the OPS though is there, the production's there, so I don't think Tyler O'Neill's at any risk of losing a roster spot at this point in time. Uh, you talk about Harrison Bader, we we kind of consider his role just taken for granted. But even him, his OPS of 880 so far this spring. Yes, he's had a few strikeouts himself. He's at nine in uh, 29, at, or pardon me, 25 at bats. Uh, looks like about 29 or 30 plate appearances because he's got four walks. So the production though has been there, and you know with his defense, they're going to keep him involved in the lineup as well. But the other guy that uh, you know I thought coming into the season could have a, a pretty considerable role, Lane Thomas. He has actually had a pretty good spring himself. A 921 OPS. Uh, he's hitting 250, 379 OBP, and a 542 slug. Lane Thomas has, has looked pretty good at the plate as well. And he's a guy I had above Tyler O'Neill when we came in to spring. Coming from the offseason, I was looking for O'Neill to just stay healthy, see what he could do. But I liked Lane Thomas to potentially grab that left field job. And, you know, so far hasn't taken it away from O'Neill. Both of them have performed well. Both of them, to me, are on this bench, Thomas and O'Neill. Unless there's an injury. I don't see how you replace one of them with Dylan Carlson because, you know, there's something to be said for the fact that these guys were ahead in line and they've also performed. So you're not going to take a guy who was already kind of written in pencil for the roster and has performed just as well, if not, you know, maybe not quite as well as Carlson in the the case of Lane Thomas because, his, you know, Carlson's OPS is still above 1,100, I believe. Yeah, 1,158. So and, and he's got a little slug to go with it because he's got three doubles. He's got a triple. He's doing everything that you'd like to see. He's only got four strikeouts. He's going to be a good player. Six walks. Uh, Carlson's doing everything to deserve a spot on the roster. I don't think, realistically, they're going to put him in over O'Neill or Thomas unless there's an injury to somebody else. You know, even Rangel Ravello, I've got listed right now for the roster. And, and I, don't overlook him. The Cardinals liked him. That's why they kept him. And his OPS for the spring, 861. He's looked pretty good as well at the plate. Only three strikeouts. Content or, or pardon me, contact-oriented player. He's gonna he's gonna play a role for the Cardinals this season off the bench. Uh, again, right now they're putting him in the outfield a little bit. It's been kind of an adventure. He's made some really good athletic plays. He's also lost the ball in the sun multiple times. Uh, so, but Ravello, that's another way he could find playing time potentially, but the bat plays too. And so I think that's why he's going to be on the bench. Weeders is going to be the backup catcher, of course. And Brad Miller right now is who I have penciled in for that fifth bench spot. 
you know, if you're holding me to it and trying to put it together, Miller could, he's, he's been a little bit banged up, had some back issues. So if anything were to happen for him, I could see you subbing in and Mundo Sosa for that spot. Another option would be to go ahead and go with Dylan Carlson because you could say, well, Tommy Edmond is our, our utility infielder. He can play anywhere we need him. And if you have Carlson, it probably does mean less playing time in the lineup for Edmund because Carlson's going to take over left field for the most part, and Edmund's just going to be a guy that gets in where he fits in. Now, how do you justify then Thomas and O'Neill on the bench? Like, you've got a lot of outfielders still. I don't know how it fits perfectly together. You know, I could see a midsummer trade, potentially, if the Cardinals could go for a big, you know, a big bopper somewhere. Again, where are you going to put him? I guess third base, but if Matt Carpenter's playing well, and he's getting paid well, you know, it's nothing's going to change on that front. So I, I, I could see avenues toward trades to clear up this young outfield. But then again, I could see Dexter Fowler not performing, and boom, it kind of solves itself if that happens because you put Thomas out there, you put O'Neill out there, and then maybe you've got Carlson in the other corner. This is something, I mean, again, I don't, I don't want to go the route of counting Dexter Fowler out before the season even begins, but I would say his spot is certainly under a lot of scrutiny as we get to like the month of May, that's where it's really going to say, and it could happen before that if he's not performing, but that's a spot to watch because you've got outfielders that are pushing for playing time right now. And none of them need Memphis. None of them need to be in Memphis, not Carlson, Thomas or O'Neill, not Ron Hell Ravello. None of them need to be in the minor leagues anymore. They've got nothing left to prove. And so you, you want those bullets helping your major league club. It's good. Time's going to tell. It's going to be interesting to see. But as of right now, I don't have Carlson listed with a bench spot. One of the five spots, eight starters, five position players on your bench equals 13. And then you'll have 13 pitchers with the new uh, 26-man roster. So as of today, I don't have a spot for Carlson, but that that doesn't mean I don't think he's going to be in. It's just the names in front of him, I'm not sure which one, you know, I'm not sure which one would, uh, would be replaced. And it's very possible that one of them would without an injury, without something happening. More likely than not, something's going to happen. And that's where Carlson will fit. Uh, people ask me, what's my percentage for Carlson? It's not as high as some others for making the opening day roster. But right now, he's certainly forcing the issue. If he continues to play like this, he's going to be on the roster. I just don't know where. So, But as of right now, we've still got to see him continue to perform. We've still got to see where the fit is going to happen. So as of right now, I'm about 60%, 60-40 that he will make it. But because I have to be, you know, feet to the fire, name the spot, I don't have him listed in a spot, but you know, if you assume that there's a there's no injuries and nothing happens, then there's like a 10% chance that they just put Blaine Thomas in in the minors. There's a a 10% chance they just put O'Neill in the minors. There's a 10% chance they put Ravello in the minors. There's a 10% chance, maybe a 20% chance that Brad Miller is injured and that's how Carlson gets called up and they have Edmund as the utility man. You know, there's a 5% chance that Fowler gets traded like probably not but like I'm just saying that's how I get to the 60% without actually having a spot for Carlson listed on this mock roster as of right now I'm leaning toward yeah he'll be there I just don't know which spot Uh, let's move on to the pitchers though Uh, Flaherty Martinez Hudson Kim Wainwright is my rotation as of right now put them in whatever order you want to those are the five Um, I've got Gomber on the outside looking in I think Gomber's going to have a heck of a year Pick him up in fantasy unless you're in a league with me. Then don't. Uh, same for Daniel Ponce de Leon. I have Ponce in the bullpen. I have Gomber leading the AAA rotation. 
It, uh, to me, it's kind of similar to the Carlson thing. I don't have a spot for Gomber, and so that's why he's not in there. Wouldn't surprise me to see him in there, and he should be in there. Austin Gomber right now, especially if he continues to pitch like this, he doesn't deserve Memphis. He has nothing to. He has no business being there. I just don't know which player he'd replace. He's not going to replace Adam Wainwright. Adam Wainwright hasn't performed uh, probably up to his expectations. The ERA is over seven in a small sample of spring training time. And so, you know, an injury to a, a pitcher like Wainwright or anybody else in the rotation makes it obvious how a guy like Gomber or Ponce would fit in there. Uh, but as of right now, I, I think, you know, Wainwright's definitely earned that right to have the chance in the rotation. And, you know, spring stats, I think you compare guys like Wainwright and Fowler, who are veterans who are right now underperforming in in small samples for this spring. Wainwright's a guy I expect to be there even more so than Fowler. I have a little more confidence in Wainwright being able to just kind of figure it out when the time comes. Uh, really, I think his numbers are inflated by one bad outing. Wainwright's had a couple of decent ones and one bad one. Uh, his most recent outing. So, you know, we'll see. But right now, Wainwright's in that rotation. Um, and for me, I, I'm not sure where Gomber would fit. He deserves to be on the team, but I don't want to see him wasted in a, uh, you know, like a multi-inning relief role. I just don't think that would, would be a benefit to the Cardinals for his talent level. I think when someone gets hurt, Gomber needs to be in that rotation. So that's why I do have him at Memphis as of right now. Subject to change. It definitely could change, and it could change soon. You know, it could change this month before the season actually opens up. Uh, Bullpen-wise, Gallegos is your closer. Uh, I think it's becoming increasingly obvious that that's going to be the case for the most part. Uh, Helsley, Brebia, Gant, and I said Ponce was also in that bullpen. Uh, Ponce de Leon from the right side for me. Uh, From the left side, right now, might be kind of a surprise to some people. I've got Brett Cecil and Tyler Webb. No Andrew Miller. My prediction, again, speculation. We don't know all the information right now, so everybody's going to have a little bit of a different take, and this could easily turn around. Right now I've got Andrew Miller starting on the injured list because I'm just not sure what's going on with him and if they're going to be able to figure it out or not uh, in time. If they can, he'll be in there, and then it, that he's your eighth reliever because, as you might notice, I mentioned Gallegos, Helsley, Brebia, Gant, Ponce, Cecil, Webb. That's only seven. There's room for one more. And so I, I think Cecil, if he continues to pitch well, he, he he's had a good outing recently. The numbers overall this spring, uh, not sensational. But I think if he if he shows enough throughout the rest of the spring, I think the Cardinals will have him in there. Um, he's only thrown, looks like, three games. Uh, the first couple, I think, were, were rough. Or he had one bad one and then a couple good ones. So still time. As of right now, though, I, I'm going to say he's in there. That's that's a really tenuous position, though. Um, it's really only based on me thinking Andrew Miller will be injured, and they'll say, okay, so with Cecil, rather than just paying the money to go away, since we have this spot, let's put him in it. Tenuous spot for Cecil. He's still got to prove himself, but as of right now, I'll pencil him very, very, very lightly, and the eraser is ready if needed. I'll pencil in Cecil for a roster spot. I'll pencil in... Andrew Miller for the injured list. Who knows what kind of injury they'll say he has. It could just be the yips, honestly. Uh, he said he's not been able to feel the ball, ha- hasn't had a good feel for things. And so right now is kind of in limbo with his status. Remains to be seen what will become of that. Uh, and, and in the one inning he did pitch, he's only appeared in one game. Uh, it didn't go well. So as of right now, that's what I have. Then let's just say that's accurate, and there is one more spot because Andrew Miller's on the injured list. Um, Alex Reyes is a candidate for sure. Um, like what we've seen from him recently and of the guys there, I think I'd put him in the bullpen, but if the Cardinals, for whatever reason, decide trajectory wise, and they feel like they're confident in his health, 
they want to put him in the rotation and continue getting him innings in Memphis, you know, that could be a possibility. I'm going to lean. I haven't even typed it in yet as I'm talking this out. I was hoping that I would get a better idea for clarity as I was talking to you guys about it. I'm going to put Reyes in that spot in the bullpen, but I just want to kind of warn, not even warn you, but just make aware, make people a little more aware. Like when Mike Schilt was talking about last season, how they put Reyes into the fire in the bullpen, probably before he was ready. This is something that Mike Schultz said earlier this spring, that it was a learning experience that the Cardinals had from just kind of seeing the talent and seeing how electric Alex Reyes is when healthy and just kind of saying, you know what, we're, he's ready. We're going to put him in the bullpen on a competitive team in a competitive environment and try to go win a division. And Mike Schilt even kind of referenced, like, how fair was that to Alex, to be honest, because he hadn't pitched in two years, essentially, and he had just gotten healthy. And rather than maybe give him a little more time that he may not have recognized he needed, but the Cardinals staff should have recognized it, I think was kind of the implication that, that Schilt said. And look, they, they were tantalized by the prospects of him kind of finally showing through on the promise that his arm has has been, you know, kind of hinting at since 2016. August and September. And so that's what the Cardinals were hoping for. It didn't work out. Reyes was maybe a little overwhelmed by the moment, a little overwhelmed by he's always been a guy who's had issues with command. He couldn't quite settle it down, and that's why they had to send him down. And it turned into a lost season for him for the most part because he got frustrated. He punched the door, broke his hand or fingers, whatever it was, had to miss some time, then had some other injuries and was shut down for the latter part of the season. So acknowledging all that, the Cardinals, you know, Schilt, I think, is hyper aware of that at this point, and so it wouldn't be something that he would do again. He wouldn't he wouldn't sanction that if he were worried about it with Reyes. If he looks ready, he'll be in. And it is a little bit different because he did pitch some last year as compared to 2018 going into 2019. He really didn't pitch at all. Had the one start for the Cardinals, I believe it was, in Milwaukee or against Milwaukee, and that was it. And then he was, he was out again with the lat injury. So... Just something to keep in mind for a reason they might consider, even if he looks good, they might consider starting him in Memphis. Um, but to me, if he's ready, it would be a benefit. So that's that's why right now I do have Reyes as my my uh, eighth bullpen guy. Other options, Cody Whitley, I think might even make more sense. I think that dude's ready. He's been lights out. He's been totally nails this spring and was nails last year and every chance he got at every level of the minors. Cody Whitley will play a role for the Cardinals in 2020 if he's healthy. I don't know if he'll be right away. It should be, though. I just, again, not sure exactly where he fits in. Injuries could play into that and allow it to happen. And Junior Fernandez is a guy that that should be, you know, the quality of his pitching right now, deserving of a roster spot in St. Louis. So any of those three, Reyes, Whitley, Fernandez, I'd totally be in support of getting that final spot if, if everything else for the bullpen is as I project as of right now that it will be, which it won't be. You know, we just know it won't be. Uh, but Whitley Fernandez, guys that I would definitely pay attention to, you know, for potential not only roles in St. Louis, but by the end of the year, late inning roles, like seventh, eighth, ninth inning guys, Whitley Fernandez, they both got potential. Uh, as does Ryan Helsley, who I've got penciled into the bullpen. I don't know if the Cardinals have officially said anything about Helsley and whether he's still on a trajectory to be a starter or a reliever. He's going to be a reliever. They're they're gonna They're going to shift him to the bullpen. I promise you it's going to happen. Um, I'd be I'd be stunned if it didn't. Um, not saying that's necessarily a decision I agree with, but you also do need to have quality pitchers in your major league bullpen to win games right now. I'd love to see Ryan Helsley long-term as a starter to see what he could do, but, you know, it's just the reality of it, the nature of the beast. You've got you've to find that balance to win games, and 
you know, if you're the player, think about it from the player's perspective. Would you rather be in St. Louis pitching out of the bullpen, albeit, or would you rather be in Memphis, but you get to be a starter? I think it's probably a pretty obvious decision for most of these guys. They don't really care what their role is going to be. They want to they want to compete at the highest level and try to prove themselves and earn more opportunity from there. Just get their foot in the door. And so I don't think Ryan Helsley would have any issue with it. I think he could turn himself into a very effective late-inning reliever, and that's my prediction for kind of the way the Cardinals trend with him uh, throughout the rest of the spring and then into the season. And so that would leave Gomber, Henesis Cabrera, a lefty that could have a, an opportunity if Cecil doesn't pan out and Miller doesn't pan out. I could see him potentially in a bullpen role. And you could do the same thing with Gomber, but I think long-term, I really do like Gomber as a starter. I, and Cabrera could be too. And and right now, there's really no reason, unless you really feel like you need Henesis Cabrera in the bullpen in St. Louis, there's no reason to, to change him off of that track. Keep him as a starter. You're going to need him later in the year. You always it's, it's always the way it goes. And Jake Woodford as well is going to end up as as a guy back in the Memphis rotation with maybe not a whole lot to prove anymore down there. But also, you know, his numbers last year weren't sensational. His numbers this spring haven't been sensational. That's a tough league to pitch in, uh, the, the the Pacific Coast League in AAA where, where the Memphis Redbirds play. But also, I think Woodford might just be kind of a depth guy. And so, you know, he'll probably end up pitching somehow in St. Louis at some point this year. But I, you know... It's hard to hard to read the future, hard to tell by June, July, August what the needs of the team are going to be. And then, for yeah, for the injured list, I've got Andrew Miller, Jairo Munoz as of right now. If I've forgotten anybody in this uh, hastily put-together uh, roster, I apologize. Send me a message, for 12 on Twitter, and say, hey, what about so-and-so? You know, Austin Dean's going to be in Memphis. He's got a 953 OPS this spring. Austin Dean is going to play for the Cardinals this year, I have a feeling. You know, the world does not stay healthy. That's just not the way it goes in a 162-game in Major League season. So I have a feeling you're going to see some Austin Dean, and he could end up being a guy that, that contributes. Another guy, uh, John Nagowski, could end up playing in St. Louis at some point in time this year in kind of the Ron Hell Ravello role. If something were to happen to that to, to him or, or to a player in that role, I could see Nagowski, the uh, Memphis first baseman last year, getting a chance. Edmundo Sosa, he will play in St. Louis this season. The bat hasn't been tremendous this spring. The glove has. Um, if anything were to happen to, to a middle infielder, you'd see Sosa and he would be playing, I think, on a pretty regular basis. Kisner probably starts in Memphis, but you'll see him, of course, throughout the season. Uh, looking down the line here, Justin Williams, I think you'll see a little bit at, at some point in time, uh, probably maybe September, maybe before then. Uh, I know I'm saying about all these outfielders, you'll see him, you'll see him, you'll see him. And, you know, the odds are stacked against maybe all of those guys contributing, but Again, you'd be surprised at at kind of the, the things that happened. Like, did you ever expect that you'd have seen Edmundo Sosa last season? Probably not. But it just all of a sudden happens. You remember the year Magnari Sierra was called up. You're like, oh, wow. They called him up from A-ball. Like, didn't see that coming. So stuff happens. The Cardinals have depth. I think that's a positive. They have the depth to uh, be able to deal with some of that. Max Schrock could actually get, get a look as well. Uh, he's got a 921 OPS this spring. He's done a, a, a fine job. And they've put him at third base a little bit. He could play second. Not a shortstop as of as, as of yet. And I think the Cardinals, if they need a shortstop, Sosa would be the guy that would get the call. And Edmund would get some play there as well. Um, should be, I, I would be remiss, I should say, to not mention Nolan Gorman before we wrap up. He's not going to factor into the Cardinals in 2020. Be shocked if that were the case. Uh, he's only 19, uh, but his mind is older. <laughs> his, his baseball acumen is older. A uh, little Hamilton reference for you. 292 average this spring for Gorman, 346 on base, 500 slug for an 846 OPS. That's big league, guys. This is a 19-year-old kid that's going out there and handling himself against 
by and large, big league competition. Like, again, it's not all big league competition. Every other team has got their Nolan Gormans out there, too. And on the pitching side, they've got their their younger guys and their their A depth. And so I don't know all the at-bats he's taken and, and who they've come against. But Gorman has been getting some run. You look at just I'll, – I'll sort it by this, by games. Most games appeared. Austin Dean leads the, the way at 12. Eddie Sosa, 11. Justin Williams, 11. Gorman, 10. And then you've got some others at 10. Uh, Thomas Schrock, Nagowski, and Kisner. And then Dylan Carlson at 9. But when he has played, he's played a lot. Ron Hill, Ravello, Harrison Bader. So just an example of some of the guys that have seen the most work so far this spring. Um, as it goes along, some of those names will continue to get that opportunity. Others will not. Um, you know, I'll be interested to see how late into the game they let Nolan Gorman continue to play. Uh, to me, it would just be to his benefit to keep him going as long as he can. And he may not get that many starts down the stretch of spring training, but if you just keep him around, you don't send him to minors camp, you keep him and just see let him go through the whole experience and see what he can do. Cause I don't think it could do anything other than benefit him for next year. And again, if you've got guys like Carpenter playing third that you're going to take it easy with boom, Carpenter could start every game, but by the fifth or sixth inning, if he's out of some of those games, let Gorman have a couple of at bats and see what he can do. I'd be totally in favor of that. Uh, but remains to be seen how they'll handle him. 2021 though, could be a Nolan Gorman season the same way. 2020 is going to be uh, Dylan Carlson season. I know that would put him at about, you know, turning into his age 21 season as a rookie. Carlson is 21 as of last October, I believe. So about six months in difference, maybe about seven or eight months, actually. So Gorman would be a little bit younger comparing what his 2021 would look like to Carlson's 2020. Gorman would turn 21 on May 10th of 2021. So just kind of an example, but I think if he proves his readiness you could see his stock really rise a lot, not only within the Cardinal system in 2020, but across baseball. And he could be a guy, I mean, I, would it shock you if a year from now, Nolan Gorman were in that Carlson position as like a top 20 prospect in baseball who, who, you know, got a chance at Springfield at some point, tore it up. And then maybe they give him a, a shot in Memphis at the end of the season, just to see what he could do. Hopefully his trajectory continues to stay strong. He looks good so far and he's handling himself in big league camp. That's what I've got for today's show. I appreciate you guys for sticking with B-Shape Daily throughout the spring as you have done. If you're just recently joining the show, thanks for doing so. You can make sure to subscribe or follow at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, anywhere you get your podcasts. And it's B-Shape Daily, B-S-C-H-A-E-F-F Daily. That's the name of the show. And we're going to be rocking and rolling when the season comes along with daily episodes, breaking down Cardinals games, breaking down opinions, analyzing what's going on with the team, trying to see the future a little bit and the moves that could be made. Uh, we're going to be, we're going to be talking about it all. So I hope that this has been an, an endeavor that you guys have enjoyed throughout the spring. I think it's only going to get more fun as we get into the regular season. So I'm excited for that to happen. But as for the rest of the Friday, there probably won't be anything else to talk about. So recording this episode a little bit earlier in the day, knowing that uh, Cardinals camp doesn't exist on Friday. So We'll be back. We'll try to do a weekend episode since I missed Wednesday this week because of uh, being on a plane all day back from Jupiter. So I'll try to do that on either Saturday or Sunday so that at the very least you guys have something to listen to going into the uh, Monday morning commute. So no promises on which day it'll be. Hopefully one, probably not the other. And then next week we'll be rocking and rolling as well with uh, another five or six episodes coming your way. So thank you guys once again. I'm Brendan Schaefer. And this has been B-Shape Daily. Talk to you in a couple of days.